0: Welcome to KBJR 6 presents Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. Anchoring KBJR 6 Newscast every night is without a doubt the best way to give Northlanders the information they need to get through their day. But it's also important to investigate certain stories in more detail than a daily newscast allows. That's why once a week I sit down with local leaders and officials to talk about the issues you are concerned about. From politics to current events, I'm here to break down the issues facing Northlanders. This is Beyond the Headlines. This episode, we're focusing on the opioid crisis and efforts in St. Louis County to fight it. Our region has the highest overdose death rate per capita in the state. And from 2014 to 2018, there were 44 opioid overdose deaths out of the 388 overdoses that Duluth Police responded to. Fortunately, out of those 388, police were able to save a life 344 times. Now, in December of last year, the department added, added Jessica McCarthy. As an opioid technician, she serves as a liaison between people struggling with addiction and resources to get them help. The position and funding for it comes from a two-year, $279,000 federal grant. Let's take a look back at last year. KBJR6's Anthony Matt spoke with McCarthy then and shared about this new position.
1: Opioid addiction is on the rise nearly everywhere. Here in St. Louis County, officials say heroin and opioid drug overdose deaths have increased 1,250% between 2000 and 2016. Now they're unleashing a new tool to combat that.
2: I'll be able to, um, even as part of the police department, be a helping hand to connect somebody to treatment and follow them and make sure that they're starting to rebuild their life post-addiction.
1: Jessica McCarthy will be the first ever opioid technician working with the Lake Superior Drug and Violent Crime Task Force and bridging the gap between addiction and recovery.
2: If you're struggling with these things, like reach out to me, I can help.
1: She can help because it's something she's all too familiar with.
2: Um, I've been sober about eight years now.
1: McCarthy is using her recovery story to build bridges to a better future for those in need.
2: Working with people with chemical dependency in the the past, um, it did come up a lot and you could see that working with folks, they would physically get more comfortable talking about their addiction when I would share a story about my own.
1: McCarthy will refer overdose victims to treatment, see them through it, provide chemical dependency assessment referrals, develop and coordinate outreach with those struggling with addiction, and educate the community.
2: If we can work together to build more openness around this issue, take the stigma away, then we're going to realize that we are in this together. It is a community issue and the community is what can fix it.
0: And joining us now is Jessica McCarthy, our county's first ever opioid technician. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We want to start off by talking about uh, what has changed uh, in the time since we did that story with you and uh, how the job is coming along.
2: Lots, yeah, it was a lot of um, just ideas uh, at that point. Um, We had big plans for what we were going to do. And then um, making it through this transitionary period where the ideas turned to action, and then it was just this struggle period for a couple months because it's working with folks who are post-overdose and in very early recovery um, where it's kind of hazardous times. Uh, but now I've been at it for nine months. Um, so now I'm in this beautiful period where it's I, I get to work with folks who are post-overdose and they are struggling, but I also get people reaching out to me going, hey, Jess, I'm going to get my six-month medallion mm. on Monday. Um, I get folks telling me they got their apartment back. I get folks letting me know they're getting their visitation with their kids back. Um, so it's like I get this beautiful balance now. Yeah, yeah.
0: it sounds like it, it's rewarding uh, for for both yourself and people going through recovery.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But I, I'm very grateful for myself because it's, of course, that that part working with folks after an overdose and then in early recovery when things are so. It's unimaginable how difficult that is. Not only to just go through withdrawal, but also learn how to change your thinking into something that you've never experienced before. Like that is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to watch people go through that. So I need, I need the people to let me know. Hey, Jess, I got six months. Like just as much as they need to tell me. Is
0: it is it hard getting people to open up like that with you?
2: Um. No, not really. Yeah. Uh, most, most folks, um, there are a few that I come across who are kind of like reserved at first meeting um, and that's just a trauma response most of the time. Um, people have had bad experience with folks in helping roles um, so it makes sense. Of course they're not going to trust me upon first meeting um, but once we start to build rapport people are, are very open and honest with me. Um, I've had a couple folks who they'll um, like shoot me a text after we meet mm. Um, and they'll let me know, oh, by the way, that first time we met, I totally lied about this and this and this. Oh, and right. it's just because they didn't trust me at first go. And it's like, oh, I, I wouldn't trust me at first go. You mm-hmm. can't expect to tell a stranger all your deepest, darkest secrets right it's, away. It sounds like
0: relationship building.
2: Absolutely. And that's, that's the, the, the root of it all. Um, the best thing I can do is build a relationship and then also um, be able to provide rides to where we're going mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, you know what you should do is, Uh, bring yourself down to Pathfinder at CADT and get inducted on MAT. It's like, instead of just saying that, I'm able to give them a ride there. So it's like my car and building relationships. That's how this program runs. (laughs)
0: Let's take a little bit closer look at at what it is you do on a daily basis. Can I give people an idea of uh, a day in the life for you on the job?
2: Okay. I, I know that,
0: that's very detailed.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's also, um, that's part of why I love this job so much, is because every day is completely and totally different. Okay. Um, where some days I do get to meet with folks who are in, uh, in ongoing case management. Um, I do a lot of like coffee check ins with mm. people, and we'll just go meet at a coffee shop and check, like, how's your housing going? How's the job going? These kinds of things, folks who are in ongoing sobriety. Um, and then I do the overdose response like outreach so I'll be in my office searching for most recent phone number of an overdose um, survivor and then trying to make contact with them making contact with their families Um, and then also doing outreach with um, officers once a week. Um, So if I can't get a hold of somebody by those methods, either calling them, calling family, or um, messaging them like on social media, uh, an officer will go with me and we'll go to last known addresses, we'll go to places they're known to like hang out, and then try and find them and make initial contact there. So there is no typical day. Today I was in court and then in my office. The other day I was at a homeless camp um, in the woods trying hmm. to find somebody, so wow. there is no yeah. typical day. it varies day
0: to yeah. day, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Overall, uh, how big of an impact do you think uh, the position that you have, the work that you do, um, what kind of impact is that going to have on the opioid crisis going forward years ahead, do you think?
2: Um, I, I hope a big one. I hope a big one, and I see it happening with the fir- folks that I, I, I work with, and it's not it's not necessarily anything that I do myself, it's just that... They have someone there who cares regardless of what's happening. And that's a lot of just what folks need and someone to help them navigate those systems of um, reaching sobriety. Um, But I'm hoping that this program, um, once we can prove that we're successful and this works, gets duplicated in other police departments. Um, So I'm hoping that this kind of becomes a norm where it's not like people getting interviewed all the time because it's it's something out of the ordinary, but that, police and first responders are doing overdose outreach and then it's just in every city in the country.
0: (laughs) Jessica, Jessica McCarthy, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. At the beginning of this year, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials say they made their biggest fentanyl bust ever, capturing nearly 254 pounds of the deadly synthetic opioid in Arizona. Fentanyl is even more potent than heroin and is a growing problem in the Northland. There's no doubt it's been a busy summer for Duluth police as well. Just in June, they made an historic heroin bust. Heroin is an opioid drug made from morphine and police confiscated $350,000 worth of it Thanks to a two-month investigation, it ended with two men, one with an extensive criminal history behind bars an apparent drug trafficking organization that started back in March. During the investigation, undercover officers bought drugs from these two men, Otis Weaver and Eric Black. That led police to execute two search warrants, one at a house in the Kenwood neighborhood and the other at a hotel room in downtown Duluth. And here's a look at what they found. This is 4.3 pounds of heroin. It's the Duluth Police Department's largest heroin bust to date. PUT IT IN PERSPECTIVE, AUTHORITIES ESTIMATE ITS STREET VALUES CLOSE TO $350,000 AS I MENTIONED. WE'RE TOLD THAT'S DOUBLE WHAT THEY FOUND DURING ANY OTHER HEROIN BUST. POLICE CHIEF MIKE TUSKIN SAYS THIS BUST WILL MAKE A DENT, BUT THERE'S A LOT MORE WORK
3: AHEAD. That THIS IS NOT A PROBLEM THAT WE CAN ARREST OUR WAY OUT OF. IT REQUIRES CERTAINLY uh, THE WORK OF, of JEFF'S FOLKS. Um, THAT IS TRYING TO MITIGATE SOURCES of SUPPLY of THESE POISONS HITTING THE STREET. But it also is important that we have a uh,
0: treatment and education component. Now, Tuscan SAYS THAT'S MADE POSSIBLE THANKS TO THE WOMAN YOU JUST HEARD FROM BEFORE THE BREAK, JESSICA MCCARTHY, THE COUNTY'S FIRST OPIOID TECHNICIAN. THE Duluth POLICE DEPARTMENT ALSO HAS A HOTLINE. ANYONE STRUGGLING WITH ADDICTION CAN CALL. WE HAVE THAT NUMBER ON OUR WEBSITE. AND MINNESOTA LAWMAKERS TOOK A BIG STEP IN FIGHTING THE OPIOID CRISIS THIS YEAR IN MAY AND IT COULD MAKE A BIG DIFFERENCE HERE IN THE NORTHLAND AS WELL. WITH OVERWHELMING SUPPORT IN BOTH THE HOUSE AND THE SENATE, THE OPIOID STEWARDSHIP FUND BILL PASSED IN THE 11TH HOUR OF THE SESSION. The bill WILL CREATE A SPECIAL ACCOUNT GENERATING MILLIONS OF DOLLARS IN FEES COLLECTED FROM PHARMACEUTICAL COMPANIES. THAT MONEY WILL BE USED TO ENHANCE TREATMENT AND SOCIAL SERVICE PROGRAMS, IMPROVE PUBLIC AWARENESS AND APPLY STRONGER RULES FOR PRESCRIPTIONS AND refill REFILLS. LIEUTENANT JEFF KAZEL WITH THE LAKE SUPERIOR DRUG AND VIOLENT CRIME TASK FORCE SAYS THAT COULD BE A BENEFIT FOR OUR REGION.
3: A LOT OF PROGRAMS THAT WE'RE DOING RIGHT NOW THAT ARE GRANT FUNDED, I'M HOPING THAT WE WOULD BE ABLE TO, UM, support those programs and make it so they're uh, sustained Uh, that way we don't have to continue to look for grants. And on Monday, July
0: 1st, Governor Tim Walz and Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan held a signing ceremony for that bill. So we are joined by uh, the man you just heard from there, the commander of the Lake Superior Drug and Violent Crime Task Force, Lieutenant Jeff Kazel. We appreciate you being here. Thanks, Dan. We uh, just talked about that bill. Yep. Uh, that was a big moment for you as well because you spent some time lobbying for that down at the Capitol.
3: I did. We uh, definitely needed the, uh, the support uh, and uh, uh, different things that go with that bill and it's gonna make, things, it's gonna make a difference. How, how so? What, what about that bill is going to allow us
0: to better fight the opioid crisis? It's
3: the funding. I mean it is always been a funding piece missing And the things that we're trying to do. These are all things out of the box that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Things like with Jessica. Um, We need the funding, and and, and the stewardship bill provided for that.
0: I want to take a a look back at at policing and some of those big busts we were just talking about. That massive heroin bust. How do you even begin going about uh, going after the criminals putting those drugs on the street?
3: Well, uh, 2013 was when we had the, the one kilo bust that uh, we, we talked about a lot uh, in, in our presentations. Mm-hmm. And now we're to two kilos. This is over two kilos. Wow. So it's, it's a large amount of, of, of opioid uh, that uh, just would inundate our streets mm-hmm. if it wasn't taken off the street.
0: You and I uh, first talked about the opioid crisis. Uh, it was probably a year and a half ago mm-hmm. on this very program. Year and a half has gone by. Uh, how has the fight, uh, from your perspective, changed uh, here in the Duluth area, the Northland in general? It
3: it's changed with uh, we're seeing more and more fentanyl being used uh, to the point where I, I would imagine that we'll see straight fentanyl being sold instead mm. of instead of heroin because it's it's cheaper, uh, it's more potent. Um, smaller packages are easier to to, uh, to hide in secret. Um, so we're going to be seeing more potent uh, opioids coming, coming this way.
0: Okay. Well, I, this might be difficult to quantify, but um, in general, d- do you think the fight has gotten even more difficult uh, in the last year and a half, two plus years? Uh,
3: I, yeah, I, I think it's getting more difficult. Uh, the, the techniques that we're using to go after the people that are, are doing this uh, they're, they're, they're catching on they' they're they're trying to continue to, to sell the product that's making a lot of money off uh, off of people that are suffering um, and we adapt just like they adapt and we uh, we've uh, changed some of the things that we do also
0: and uh, what are some of the the current efforts um, underway to kind of uh, evolve along with the criminals? What, what's being done um, that that the average person at home just isn't seeing to help fight back on the streets?
3: Well, I, I like the fact that we're, we're going out to the demand side of the equation. We always talk about the equation right. and, and how we're going after. we Law enforcement for so long has been going after the source of supply. And we're still doing that, and we're still doing a good job at that. But uh, tools and, and, and people like Jessica uh, are making a difference and they, they make a difference by slowly taking people out of that pool of addiction and reducing that demand mm-hmm. because if the, the demand isn't there um, the people that are trying to take advantage of uh, people that are suffering they're not going to be making money right
0: talk a little bit more about that balance you know we, we've got the policing side those big drug busts going on and then uh, we have someone like Jessica mm-hmm. uh, there to help Is is that Going to be a, a winning balance going forward do you think? I
3: really think it is yeah. I really do uh, more education on shows like this uh, going out to the public getting into the schools and, and, and showing what the dangers of the opioids are uh, keeping people out of that pool of addiction so turning the tap off literally mm-hmm. all right uh, then uh, with Jessica's help and all the work that she's doing with our officers uh, slowly pulling people out of that pool and then we'll continue to work on the demand. So we're hitting it from all sides. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: let people know at home, um, something they might might not know, they might, uh, or someone might need to hear uh, when it comes to uh, the opioid crisis and addiction in general and reaching out, what they need to do.
3: Um, we still, when we do presentations, we'll ask, You know, how many people here have had surgery in the last, you know, three, four years and people will raise their hand. And we ask how many have been prescribed opioids and see a few hands go up um and you ask them if they still have them in their medicine cabinet Mm -hmm. and you'll see hands go up Uh, we have uh, you know take back days usually twice a year Um, i think we probably should have more and uh, we have a a, we're lucky to have a a receptacle up at uh, the public safety building that uh, is open during business uh, business business hours during the week Mm -hmm. so you know if you have pills um You you, you don't need them, you're not using them. Get rid of them, don't leave them there because it's a a problem waiting to happen. It's a big problem
0: right now. We're gonna keep this conversation going because uh, coming up here on Beyond the Headlines, we're gonna talk about the future of the opioid crisis and uh, battling addiction here in our area. We're continuing our conversation about the opioid crisis with opioid technician Jessica McCarthy and uh, the commander of the Lake Superior Drug and Violent Crime Task Force Jeff, Lieutenant Jeff Kazel. Uh, we we want to look ahead here uh, mm-hmm. at, at goals for the future and uh, Lieutenant Kazel I'll start with you. Um, what what needs to be done going forward and how hopeful are you that you know if we're sitting here having the same conversation two years from now, um, we're all going to be better off as far as the opioid crisis.
3: I think we have a good model on what we've started so far. We're, we're tweaking some areas to, 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 to fit uh, our area, but I would like to see it expanded to uh, you know, Iron Range, other, other areas, other, other departments. Um, we've, we've already made, uh, made some trips to uh, the range and, and started doing what we're doing here in this area. Is there reason to believe that, that we'll go to, say, uh, areas like the Iron Range or the, the South Shore? Of like we, we, we already are, okay. but we would like to see uh, more assets, uh, a person like Jess, mm-hmm. assigned to that to that region. Okay. Um, logistically, it's really difficult to, uh, to do both. Um, so having a, a person like Jess in other departments would, would, would be uh, a goal. And Is there reason to be hopeful
0: that, uh, you know, we, we talk about it almost every day here on the news. Uh, the opioid crisis, we say it again and again. Might there be a time in the near future, two, three years down the line, where we're not constantly talking about an opioid crisis?
3: I think it's possible. Okay. I, I really do. I, I think uh, with, with all the efforts that we're putting uh, into this, uh, from the education piece to uh, the outreach to the enforcement, I think, combined we're, we're going we're gonna to be in a good spot. And what would you like
0: to see more of, less of going forward that you think is going to really help people uh, struggling with addiction in the community?
2: Well I think more collaborations and then less stigma is really the solution. Um, so it's about uh, not only people connecting with other people, so um, having that peer recovery where it's like someone who has gone through it is helping somebody who's going through it. Um, but also community organizations working together, and then, um, like I feel like I talk about it all the time, that I think one of the biggest solutions is neighbors talking to neighbors. And if you have a niece who's struggled with opioids, talking to your neighbor about it, because chances are they also have someone who struggled with opioids. Um, and the more we talk about it, the more we see that these are real people, um, and it's uh, addiction, you know, no matter its form, um, isn't a moral failing. Um, that it's it, this is. This is something bigger than that. Um, I think that's the solution.
0: And I, I'm sure there are people uh, struggling watching us this morning. Um, what message would you have for anyone who's watching and, and going through a hard time uh, with opioid addiction this morning?
2: Recovery happens, and it happens a lot. Um, it's real, it's possible, um, and it just takes work. Uh, we, and that's the thing that I think we get stuck in is that we talk about that crisis a lot um so it's like we need to hear more of those stories of recovery uh because there are lots of people getting sober from opioids so to highlight that um as opposed to like i feel like i'm always talking about the overdose numbers it's like we need to we need to put more of an emphasis on that there are people who have gotten sober and are living fantastic lives post addiction
0: and and uh, i just want to do this one more time i know we've we've touched on it earlier in the show, but uh, for anyone watching this morning, resources, uh, where should they go, what should they do if they're struggling right now?
3: Well, number one, our our hotline, 730-4009, it's a number that they can call, she answers to it, um, and uh, usually within 24 to 48 (laughs) hours, uh, she'll make contact with that person.
0: Okay, and we will uh, have that information uh, listed for everyone to see and have access to on our website, kbjr6.com. We really appreciate you both joining us here this morning. Thank Thank you. We want to remind you, anything we talked about on the program today, you can find on our website. That's KBJR6.com, including uh, that hotline we were talking about and other resources available to anyone dealing with addiction. That's all the time we have this week for Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. We're back here next week. We'll see you then.